CrossPolitik begins in three, two, one. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. Oh, I didn't start. But sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start. Right When the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to CrossPolitik with Gabe Wrench, the Waterboy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hello, y'all. Welcome to CrossPolitik. Hey, 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 hey. Coming at you. Jesus is Lord. I'm so excited. Because presuppositionally, that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. And that's Show Barack is coming on the show. We're so happy show, to have Show oh, Barack today. Actually, Show Barack is going to be here. Show and with this. is going to be a no-show. <laughs> what? Yep. Show's a no-show. No, wait, wait. There's no, uh-huh. wait, 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 wait. Time so, out. Hey, stop everything. Are you saying there's no Show Baraka on this show? That's right. April 14th. April 14th. He's coming on April 14th. So we had show scheduled for today. And uh, last night he had some. Uh, he has a busy tour schedule right now. He's right in the middle of tour ski- season. Oh, and I see to. how it yeah, is. Yeah. He can't come. And so shows a no show. Fifteen minutes on the phone with mm-hmm. us. Nah, we ain't nobody. So are you, are you saying that I spent all that time last night looking up verses about holding your tongue? The, the tongue is set on fire. I, yeah. I just had a long list of scripture I was, I was going to run by him, so I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. use those we'll use that April 14th. Okay. April 14th. I'll save well, those. At least Aaron Ventura is in the studio, That's right. Though. He's, he's yep. in the house. So we got uh, my brother Aaron Ventura. He is a pastor in training here at our Greyfires Hall here in Moscow, Idaho, and he's a hip-hop artist. And uh, So thank you for joining us, Aaron. Appreciate a it, man. A Christian. Yeah. I'm a Christian rapper, and uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm also a Christian pastor, and um, as opposed to like a secular one. Yeah. Well, we got we got some. uh, There's some some undertones. The the shack. Well, that's because the shack's coming out. The movie. Uh, Yeah. I'm a pastor that also happens to be a Christian. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's, which that's, is that's, very where, I, that's where I was going. That's we need that. Going. So we also have uh, the good doctor. executive pastor Ben Zorns His here honor. in the studio. Oh, that's right. Hello, <laughs> guys. And you're also in, in Greyfriars Hall. Doing it. Yep. Yeah. Doing no, he, it, he runs Greyfriars Hall. He's in it and he runs it. What, what is Greyfriars Hall? Not only is he a president, but he's also <laughs> a client. <laughs> Zorns is a kingly that's right. name. That's, that's King it. You know what Zorns. Means, it means anger in German. Uh, so uh, they teach you that at Greyfriars. That's well, yeah. You get in touch with your roots. And, okay, <laughs> that's okay. right. So, so break it down. Family for us, crest. For those, for those yeah. who don't know, what is Greyfriars? That's a good question. Hall? Yeah. So I guess around about twenty years ago. Um, oh, he's giving us a history. 15, yeah, 15, like, what years happened ago? twenty years ago? Uh, I think there it was, was like nineteen ninety eight. There think, was a right? list of books that was about three miles long um, that uh, Pastor Douglas Wilson. Handed to a couple guys and said, "Let's let's sort of get some pastoral training going here in Moscow." And so over the years, it's sort of taken on um, that that life of its own um, of uh, hands-on biblical training for men that are interested in uh, pursuing pastoral ministry. Um, so it's it's great because it's um, in the local church, uh, but it's also surrounded by um, the best sort of books that a man should be reading um, in preparation for. Uh, pastoral ministry, all the curveballs he's gonna uh, he's gonna face, uh, without disconnecting him from the um, 
the wrecks of humanity that happened I love in the that church, you said in, that, in yeah. the life of the church. And I, yeah. One of the problems that I see in seminary of somebody who's actually attended for a little bit, um, <clears throat> it's so sanitized. Yeah. Man, is it sanitized. Mm-hmm. And then when you get out into the real world, you're like, uh, 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 you know, the pulpit supply isn't enough. They sure. did not teach you this. <laughs> right, right, right. You're calling your professor. Look, I'm glad I know Greek, but uh, this is a whole nother language y'all didn't teach me. Sure. You know, right? Sure. Sure. So so if you want to go to Greyfriars Hall, what's what do you need to do? Well, you need to be a man. <laughs> Gotta be a dude. <laughs> well, sorry, ladies. Well, uh, there we go. They, we we'll play that lady. card right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> wow, there's going to be a lot more women striking after that That's one. That's right. <laughs> although, although we did have a lady take a Hebrew. Sure. Uh, Mary Jo. Mary Joe and the Great Fires. You notice how quiet he got on that? Yeah. yeah. Back in uh, <laughs> That up, was before was. Ben That's came right. on. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, so I think really the, the main thing we're um, interested in is men that um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a external call that the church ought to be looking at young men and uh, men in the, in the church that um, they see as this man is uh, anointed by God, called by God to Full serve the, the church. Ghost, right? Yes, exactly. And um, then there's uh, uh, a man needs to not be under compulsion, you know, handcuffed to the pulpit saying you must preach or, you know, (laughs) so there's an internal call as well that a man needs. So um, a lot of times there's well-meaning guys. That's Calvin for anybody who doesn't. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) There's there's a well-meaning, you know, there's a lot of uh, guys that go, hey, this would be uh, a lot of fun to go off to seminary. I think I'd be pretty good at talking in front of people. I'm Got some pretty good jokes and, right, and clever. I like examples. coffee. I like coffee. Have and you heard sitting me inside. Have you heard me <laughs> preach? There's some uh, recordings out there. You know, so I would, um, but but no one around him is saying, "Hey, is this guy actually uh, called and qualified for um, the ministry?" And I think what happens is that you end up with these guys that are hirelings. Really, mm. they've yeah, they've yeah. they've checked all the boxes. They've got they've got good grades. They graduated. They've, they graduated yep. with honors. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one along the way ever said, hey, is this guy actually called? Um, yes. Or is he just yes. um, eager to be the guy up front? Is he a guy, a, a guy who likes the spotlight? And that's a trend right now, especially I've noticed in a lot of church planting. Mm-hmm. That's the new hotness. Church planting is hot. Yeah. Sexy. And what, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's sexy. And what's even bigger and better than that is ethnic. Ethnic. Multicultural yeah. church planting is diverse. like the new. Yes, we're diverse. Yeah. Hey, I can tell you all about this. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that's what you're trying to do, right? Well, Aaron? that's where I'm coming here from. Hey, well, let me let me say something about the Greyfriars thing real quick, because this is what I tell to some of the guys that are thinking about applying. And so Jesus says, you become like your teacher. Mm. And uh, Paul says, be an imitator of me. So if you're learning by imitation, you should look at the pastors you're around, the people you're around, the men you're around, yeah. and say, do I want to be like Gabe Wrench? Do I want to be like Ben Zorns? Mm. Do I want to be like Doug or Mike Lawyer or Matt here. Gray or thing. these guys or Chocolate Knox? <laughs> <laughs> that was not pur- purposeful. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, just leave the black guy out. It's okay. But, but the, the difference is, in Greyfriars, I like that I can come here and I have a ton of fathers mm. that can check me when I need to be checked. Yes. And then I have a lot of awesome brothers that I get to link arms with, uh, do ministry with, and I'm learning from them. And that's so different than being kind of thrown into a classroom, yeah. read the books, write the papers, hear a great lecturer. Right. But to see uh, a man with his kids, discipline his kids, or love mm. his wife, or 
you know, walk yeah. through a counseling situation. That's the stuff that you need that seminary doesn't, doesn't can't provide. always yeah. provide. A, Some, a good one can, yeah. but, but by and large, that's kind of a, a weakness in them. And so uh, I think Gray Friars does a really good job of putting you in an opportunity to, if you take advantage of it, Learn yeah. and model your life after. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome let me let me because uh, oh, yeah, I've I've been to Grayfires. I, w- I actually went all three years of Grayfires, and I haven't finished yet. So I'm kind of a lifelong Grayfire. Student. There's a, there's actually a lot of those out there. Yeah, there, uh, I'm, I'm not just the only one. <laughs> to- Toby the dropout. Toby, he, Toby's he just, a dropout. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he flakes we'll on a lot him. of yeah. stuff. Apparently, that's right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not even here so, to defend I know, himself. I know. So um, one of the reasons one of the reasons why I liked Grayfires Hall was because some of the similar reasons that you guys are talking about that. It was, it wasn't just a classroom. It was, um, I mean, you go to the elder meetings on Thursday morning and you get to hear about their difficult challenges and their counseling situations and people and troubles in the church. Oh, that's church why people quit. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, either you develop a, win. a heart quit. for it or you don't have a stomach to handle yeah, it. Like, it it's, it's, like, it's like in a, in a, in a courtship or a relationship yes. where uh, it's successful not just if they get married, if the you know if the couple gets married, right. it's right. also successful if if it's forty years down, the, down road, the road, yeah. And they go, you yeah. know what? We're really not meant for each other. Let's part ways now, rather That's than right. after we put yeah. a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the yeah. what's the website? Uh, Grayfriarshall.com. Okay, there we go. Okay, Grayfriarshall.com. So we take about I think it's like up towards about eight students a year. It's very it's very close um, close connection program. So we don't take that many students a year. Yeah, and um, uh, if, if we got some people that are interested in going into the pastoral calling on in our audience, please yeah, connect out. with Ben Zorns. Reach out. Go to Grayfriarshall.com and it, start reading. Now, <laughs> that's right. That's right, well, yeah. touching on what uh, Aaron said, uh, my mom would always say, "You're gonna be, um, you're gonna be like who you're hanging out with uh, five years, um, five years from now, and the books that you're surrounded with now, the friends you're surrounded with now, that's gonna shape you down the road." We're yeah. gonna we're gonna see what kind of a. Uh theological foundations they're building over there when we get to these news stories and see what kind of stuff <laughs> you guys are going to be saying. Yeah. So we're going to put all this to the test. So, right. hey, you guys do well. Who knows? It's Greg? finals week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on so, spring, so, my mind's on spring break, y'all. Right, there so. you go. You're into it. So, hey, I got some cross-ball news for, for us, and uh, some of you guys have already been paying attention. Give, give them I know, the hard stuff. Knocks. Well, let's, let's start with the low-ball <laughs> stuff here first, because we're right. going to get to state level here pretty quick. Okay. Um, but first, um, I, I love what uh, Trump did this last week, and he made an offer to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. He made an offer to Planned Parenthood. He said, you guys can keep your federal funding if you stop doing abortions. And what it to what say it hey, it's, hey, it's only 3% It's of only 3% of do. their revenue, right? right? You don't need this. And Cecil Richards tweeted out. What did she tweet out? Do you remember? I don't remember she, that. She basically <laughs> tweeted out something to the effect like, uh, Planned Parenthood's going to keep doing all this, and, and yes, we're going to continue to be doing abortion. Oh, here it is. is. A vital here it is. Here it is. Planned Parenthood is proud to provide abortion, a necessary service wow. that that's as vital right. to our mission as birth control or cancer screenings. Wow. And they don't do any cancer screenings, yeah. hardly. Trump Trump went in with a, a two and a seven, and he went all in yeah. on, it, on that. Uh, yeah, that deal was that a what, poker yeah. illusion? I'm a yeah. Christian. That seven two offsuit yeah. from a Baptist too. That's, that's right. good. I, I identified hey, with that. I know he's what not a Baptist anymore. You're not that's a Baptist right. anymore. Uh, not yeah, anymore. correct that man. He's been converted. <laughs> All of us walked in darkness but <laughs> and, have and, seen a great light. And what is this poker you speak of? I'm a Christian. I don't do <laughs> chips as in lays. Or? Hey man, I love to invest. So is that is that just kind of a a move for for Trump that he, he's trying to show that what they're really about. Ultimately, because I'm telling you, I wouldn't give them any offers. I want to see these people in jail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to see them in jail. Yeah, but politically, it was a good card to play because it showed everyone that tr- that Planned Parenthood cares about that 3%. Yeah. 
ju- or in their mind, three yeah, percent. It's not. 3%. It's not three percent. Um, but they care about that just as much as they. Yeah. They've downplayed can. it. They've yeah. downplayed it time and time again. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It's just three percent. Yeah. yeah. That's but right. Now they've. Uh, if it's just three percent of what you're doing, how how needful is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, women need that. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, I'm not very political. I'm more kind of biblical. So again, I don't care if it's a point. <laughs> what? Wait, what? I'm more biblical. Didn't you say Jesus is Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That's right. But that's why I'm saying, you know, you're going to jail. You're not given an option to take uh, your federal money. No, no, no. Yeah. You've already committed a crime. You know, you've committed a crime. There is n- another option for you. It's stop, jail time, pay for what you did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see what he's doing. I get it. I know it's a political move. Yeah. But there's actually a need for some judgment to take place. Yeah. They don't get off. They don't, okay, so we stop abortions and we move on. No, that's, that, this is a bigger issue than that. You've been killing Imago Day. Yeah. People made in the image of God. You don't just get to take a, a plea bargain and get off. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. I, I think Trump was really um, pulling, pulling, you know, playing his aces and, yeah. and playing his cards. That's the best move and, we've probably seen from a conservative president in a long a, time. Absolutely. You know? And so, but here's, here's where it gets. We've talked about this before. If you had the easy button in front of you, if all Republicans had the easy button in front of you and you could end abortion, would they do it? Aaron? I don't believe it. Of I don't course, believe they would. Of course not. Would you yeah. do it? Would I? Heck yeah. I'd do it. <laughs> hey, so this reminds me. I remember when I read uh, The Law of the Covenant by Jim Jordan. It's pretty, I think it's like his first mm. book he wrote. Mm. And in it, he said something like, you read books? Yeah. <laughs> he said something like, if some, um, when Christians actually will um, have the stomach to propose a death penalty mm-hmm. for those who are killing the children in the womb, until that happens, God is not going to bless the quote pro life movement. Yeah. Amen. Right. Because it's not a holy biblical movement if you're just, you know. How can, how can you make abortion illegal without calling it murder? Right. You can't. What is it? What are you? What are you going? What What's the illegality? Are you getting at? You can't say, um, "Oh, we're just being abusive to children, so we're going to make it illegal." Yeah. Right. We're abusing children in the womb. Well, you have to. You have to call it what it is to make it right. illegal. Or what a lot of conservatives that try to dance around it do is, uh, this is a state's issue. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. And they they try to push it off Pun their plate. <laughs> and then it gets to the state. And let me bring this into it. Idaho. Just this past week. So in 2015, Idaho. Every year. Idaho, because we're conservative, they passed new laws restricting abortion to make everyone kind of feel like it's going somewhere, even though it's not, right? <laughs> yeah. And so in 2015, they passed two laws banning prescription abortion um, by telemedicine. So in states like state of Washington, you can go get an abortion. you got to go to the clinic. You get the, the medication. Right, right. But you have to have a doctor sign off on it. Well, what they're allowed to do is they're allowed to call Skype. A doctor, Skype a doctor oh, right, at a hospital right, right, right. and say, hey, um, I'm going to have abortion. The doctor interviews them and then gives them, then signs off on the medication. They're going to pick up the pill. They're going to pick up the pill and they're done. And in Idaho, they made that illegal. Telemedicine abortions. And so, but what happened was Planned Parenthood appealed and all these stuff started happening in the courts because of Idaho's 2015 legislation. And it got to the point where, le- where it's going to go to court. And Idaho conservative legislators uh, they wouldn't call it panicked, but I said they, basically they panicked this last week and repealed that legislation, that telemedicine banning telemedicine legislation, because they thought if it went to court, they would lose. And they said we don't want to set precedent for the for our pro life movement to lose these cases in court. You know why they did that? Because they're so bold. Yeah, <laughs> not uh, not bold. But what? Well, yeah, right. Yeah, they're so not bold. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, but what I can't understand is why do they feel like they would lose? 
Well, I'm, 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 uh, and why fight a battle you can't win, kind of thing? Because because the more states have passed that legislation than not, and the Supreme Court's going to look at the other states. They're going to look at you know whatever their uh, other laws that have gone before it, and other yeah, ju- you know, ju- judicial decisions that have gone before it, and they'll look at precedent and say, hey, look, this law is making it difficult for women to get health care. There's li- there's giants in the land. There's, there's giants. Yeah. No, I think I think it's a total cowardly move. So last wow. week they uh, they took the law. They they actually they voted on it. Yeah. They had voted on it. And our pro life organization here in Idaho was one of them. He said he went to the he went to the. Uh, um, we're going to try to get him on the show. Actually, yes. Um, I've already so don't I've, say too I'm much. Don't say too much. To yeah. <laughs> uh, long story short, he was part of um, explaining to legislators why they should repeal the law. He said, I'm, I'm against this. I think this is bad, but I think this is a good, savvy move for us to not lose in the courts on this. Man, we need Super. some fighters. I know. You know, I always say this, and I, I can't help but say it, but I'm so happy I'm not a slave while these people are the ones that the Christians of the time. <laughs> you know, like, mm, talk I mean, th- no one's going to be fighting for me. No, no. one's going to be caring about, like, oh, we might lose this. Let's not fight this battle. Man, we will fight every battle. Yep. <laughs> we will lose until we win. You know? this, is, this is why, ultimately, I, I see most conservatives as cowards. And most conservatives, what they end mm. up conserving is Obama's legislation. Right. Right. Mm. They won't make the any, they won't, they won't appeal, or if they do appeal, like Trump care, yeah. right, they'll just, they're just going to dial it back just a little bit yeah. to make all the conservatives feel like, hey, look, we're fighting your cause. Yeah. Ben, as an executive pastor, what's our move right now? What do we do? Here in Idaho, what what do we need to do right now to 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 kind of fight against this? Yeah, you got thirty seconds. That's a <laughs> thirty seconds. Thirty seconds or less. That's a, <laughs> That's a that's a big question. I. Um, what is Gray Friars teaching you right now? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's um, to 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 go go for it. Go big for the um, go for the go for the throat. Don't be afraid of. Um, Trying to like like Gabe was saying, let's just drive off the cliff at seventy five miles an hour rather than hundred miles an hour. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I I think the gravest danger um, is to simply look busy, do things that That's here, quick. The boss is the boss is coming. Let's look busy. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I think there's a lot more um, just boots let, to the ground. Go for yeah. it. Let, let me add something here. I think one of the one of the problems is is we as Christians have learned to play. It's like what Cy, what we're talking about with Cy. We've learned to play on their turf. We yeah, need to stop yeah. playing on their turf. We need to start leaning in to causing problems. We need to start leaning in to making a ruckus. We need to start. There's probably a time to be like Esther. Right. Right? There, you know, unless you're uh, a dude. Un- unless you're <laughs> <laughs> I give you fist bubble on that one. Oh, that man, good. that's unless hilarious. You're a dude. So th- there's probably a time to be Daniel in Babylon. There, yeah. You know, it's like for sure, but that's what everyone wants to be. They want to be that coy political Christian who's playing, you know, playing the aisle. Daniel went to the Lions, though. Yeah. Don't, forget. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget. He yeah. was the one who was sitting up there and was like, you know, I'm going to pray right but in my window you, so you can you see. You got to, my comments are coming from, I've, um, well, we'll pick this up on next Yeah, yeah, we'll next pick it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, when yeah. we come back, Mr. Cy Tim Bruggen-Kate himself, Mr. Presuppositional, uh, we're going to have him on the show and understand a little bit more about presuppositional apologetics and why you need it in your life. Next on Cross Politics. Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture. 
a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration, unashamed of Christ, and sharply at odds with the values of modernity, a mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world, not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college to equip students with the tools to build and fight. And this is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, check us out online at nsa.com. Everybody wants a method, a methodology for this apologetic, and I say, well, I'll give you a method. It's the two-move checkmate. No matter what the person says that disagrees with Scripture, first move, that's not what the Bible says. No matter what the objection is, that's why this apologetic drives you back to Scripture. No matter what they say, think of any objection that you hear out on the street. You believe in Noah's Ark? Are you kidding me? All those animals on that boat? What? You believe in a talking donkey? You don't believe the flood? No. So you don't believe the Bible's true? No. What the most Christians do while well, the ark was so many cubits, it was so many floors, they're probably baby animals, and there's plenty of room because there are only so many kinds of animals at the time, plenty of room to fit them all on the ark. Evidence, evidence, evidence. You're making them the judge. You're listening to the voice of Cy Ten Bruggen, Kate. Mm. Ooh. That's a crazy last name we got yeah. there. <laughs> Mr. Presuppositionalist, Cy Ten Bruggen, Kate. <laughs> Welcome back to Cross Politic. This is the Chocolate Knox in the studio with many, many guests. Pastor Ben Zorns, Aaron Ventura, and of course, Waterboy. Water mm-hmm. uh, and Cy Tim Bruggenkate. Hey, brother, good to have you on the show. Hey, brother, thanks for having me on. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about. You've had me on quite a bit already. I, I should say that, just not live. Yeah, we hear you almost in every break of Cross Politics <laughs> teaching us something about some presuppositional apologetics. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, man. Now, Cy. I almost want to start back with... Have him tell a little bit about himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did you get into apologetics, and then what made you quit your job to start doing it full-time? Well, I've always had a passion for defending my faith, but uh, it wasn't until, um, oh, I don't know, back in 2004 that I discovered I was doing it wrong. I was doing a, a website. It was very evidential, and... Um, I, uh, I, would, I would try these arguments out with unbelievers, and I'd get them shoved right back down my throat, and it really affected my desire to share my faith, uh, to, you know, to, to debate with people, to talk with people. never affected my faith, but it affected my desire to share my faith. So I was building an evidential website, and I just shelved the project for a couple of years, but I still like listening to debate. And um, by the grace of God, I came across the Bonson-Stein debate, Greg Bonson's version of Gordon oh, yes. Stein. Yeah. Classic. I didn't know exactly what happened there, but I knew it was different. And that started my road to presuppositional apologetics. I, I looked online. I found a podcast by a, a friend of mine now, a Gene Cook Jr., out in California called The Narrow Mind. And I became a narrow mind addict. And I, I listened to that religiously. And I met my friend Dustin Seegers there. 
And then my whole concept for the website changed. It became presuppositional, and it's basically like it is today. So it, it just took about a little, about 20 years to get to Canada, is what you're saying? I did not know about this apologetic till well after Greg Bonson had died. So I found out about it, I think, in 2004, and you know I was such a, a big fan. I downloaded just about everything he's ever said on this apologetic. And in 2005, they had a 10-year anniversary of his death, and I actually flew to California, mm. and I attended that. And I, you know, his his son was there, one of his sons, and his mother was there. She's since passed away, but it was a great time. And I thought, you know, I was so enthralled by this. I thought there would be this huge ballroom of all these people, you know, all these fans of Greg Bonson. And it was a little room in the corner. There was like 40 people there. I was really surprised. I think he made a lot of enemies, too. <laughs> well, actually, and, and not just that, but I think a lot of people forgot kind of what presuppositional apologetics was. They they knew the concept, but practicing it wasn't something. I mean, I was in uh, Christian evangelicalism. I was in uh, apologetics. We were doing a, a TV show at the time that was national. But when we did apologetics, it wasn't presuppositional. Everybody understood the concept and idea, but the practical application as you're engaging someone wasn't really uh, public. And I hadn't seen anybody really do that until, uh, on, especially on the street level, should I say, especially on man-to-man, hand-to-hand combat, no one was really doing street-level presuppositional apologetics. Yeah, well, you asked me what caused me to quit my job, actually. And what, what happened is I went to an evangelism conference from the church I was attending at the time, and I disagreed with 95% of what the speaker said. Mm. And, you know, that's encouragement for me, is to see the kind of stuff you're talking about, to see Christians teach other Christians how to defend their faith, and they're talking about something that I don't believe in. And, you know, that's one of the things that really encourages me when I go to a conference and I, and I speak on this subject. You know, I get people sometimes coming up to me with tears in their eyes saying, that's the God I believe in. And they realize that all the other stuff, you know, it's nice to have all this information, but it's not necessary to defend their faith. Jesus said, I will give you words and wisdom that your adversaries will not be able to resist or contradict. You know, that's not the complexity of the eye. That's not having to learn all these arguments. Right. That's trusting in yeah. God's word as your foundation. Now, when you say people right. are doing it wrong, you know, that's one of the things that you say when you're teaching this. Um, I didn't. I spent six hours with you trying to figure out, like, what do you mean I'm doing it wrong? Like, I know apologetics. I know the answers to these questions. And you're like, you're, you're doing it wrong. What do you mean by Christians are doing it wrong when it comes to apologetics? You know, it's funny because I was just looking online some research for this uh, talk, and I looked uh, back when we first met, it back in 2011. Remember, it was at Marcus <laughs> Pittman's place in the Flowery Branch. That's right. Marcus, and I think, you know, I don't know what Marcus had said, that, you know, meet this guy from Canada, but you came over and we talked for about six hours, and I tell you, when you got it, it was like the lights came on. You, I mean, instantly you became pre-sub Nazi. I mean, that's what I call myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can remember that evening you were saying, the next debate you go into, do your opening statement, and when he comes up to do his opening statement, just go and talk over him. Yep. You know, <laughs> yep. remember, remember saying that? I do. I'm thinking, you know, I would, how appropriate would that be? Because, you know, what rules would he be appealing to by saying that what I was doing was wrong? And I thought, man, and you were taking it full steam ahead. And there's a point in the movie, actually, I don't exactly know where it is, but how to answer the fool, which you have to talk about at some point. Yes. But there's a point where I'm saying I'm talking to this fellow for six hours and the light finally came on and I start chuckling. And people don't realize why I'm chuckling. But the reason I'm chuckling is because the person I'm talking about was the person I was talking to, it was you. <laughs> Just embarrass me, why don't you? It took me six hours to get this thing, you know? No, it was, no, no, six hours is not a long time. But when you got it, it would instant. And that's what people say, how long does it take for you to understand this argument and, and to go forth with it? So you got it the way that I want people to get it. It's not about, it's not you have to learn all these things. What this does is it shows you that you already know how to defend your faith. 
And once that light comes on, it's like a switch that goes in your head, you can do it. You know, Jesus did not say, my sheep hear size really good argument. <laughs> That's right. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And if you understand how to defend your faith biblically, then you understand that you know how to do it. So if I go to a conference and I speak on this topic, I say, if, if I leave from here and you think that you're not smart enough to defend your faith, that you have to learn more, then I've done you a disservice. That's of course, I mean. the information is great, but what you have to understand is that you know how to defend your faith already. There is no office of apologist in Scripture. I say, let's say I came here today and I say, well, I'm a love-your-neighborist. <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? We're supposed to know how to love our neighbor. Right. We're supposed to know how to defend our faith, but the world has duped us into talking about a God that we don't even believe in. Now, go, go back here uh, a minute for me. What, what do you mean? Kind of flesh this out a little bit. Flesh, flesh this out a little bit for me regarding um, why was evidential apologetics not cutting the mustard for you um you know part of it i'm sure is because you're we're basically when you use evidential apologetics you're you're kind of playing on their turf a little bit yeah what i didn't realize is that i was actually putting god on trial and this is the argument you know people have seen the film this is the argument that i use i say where do your evidence out in the world here most often in the court of law and in the court of law who do you present evidence to you present it to the judge and the jury so if some unbeliever comes up to you and says, I don't believe in God, and you present them with evidence, who are you saying is the judge? You're saying that they're the judge and the jury, and in which seat in that courtroom does God occupy? We put the Lord of glory into the criminal's box, and we elevate the unbeliever to the position of judge, and we try and acquit God. And the problem is, we've been given some wonderful evidences. We can acquit God, but then I say, who's the judge? And there's a lot of people walking around, well-meaning Christians, that say, I'm a Christian because of the evidence. I say, if you're a Christian because of the evidence, you're not a Christian. Mm. See, the question that I would ask them is, which evidence could make you no longer a Christian? Mm. And if they give them some evidence, I'm, I've heard it before, well, if they found the bones of Jesus, I wouldn't be a Christian anymore. That means you're still the judge. Now, does that mean that people can be brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through evidence? Absolutely. God can strike a straight blow with a bent stick. But I'm afraid that there's people out there who claim that Christianity is true because they say so, because God has met their burden of proof. God has bowed to their request before they'll bow to him, and that's not the God that I believe in. See, what we end up doing with evidence is, is we're talking about a probability. All of this, therefore, very likely God exists. Yeah, that's you know, right. It's so crazy to, to deny his existence, the odds are what? So many billion. I used to use that argument, you know, a tornado in a, in a junkyard making a fully functional 747. What are the odds? So many billions and billions to one. Now, the unbeliever who's standing in front of you who hates God, what are they going to pick? They're going to pick that no, one. That one, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. That one is that they're without excuse. Without excuse to not leave that one. Mm. That's right. G- give me some examples of, of what started changing for you as you started understanding how you were doing it wrong. What was the first thing that changed for you? Well, for, for me, it was instant. Like, the, the first thing that changed for me is I had a desire to share my faith. I had a mm. desire to talk about And I realized that what I was doing, all these arguments, now, um, you ask also, what about these arguments? What I found is that most of the arguments are bad arguments. They're not only not talking about the God that I believe in, but they're actually bad logical arguments. So what this did for me was a huge relief, and, and I got it, thankfully I got it like David got it. The switch went in my head, and it just changed instantly. People ask, how long did it take for you to start arguing? Like this? I said, well, instantly. But it was a relief, because now I was talking about the God that I truly believe in. Now, I grew up Reformed. I grew up in a Reformed church, but I did not understand Reformed theology. Right. And uh, Dr. James White says that your theology drives your apologetics. With me, it was the exact opposite. 
I came to understand presuppositional apologetics, and then I came to understand Reformed theology. Mm. So for me, it was completely life-changing. It wasn't just a cool way to argue. It was life-changing. And I think, you know, David could probably attest to that as well. That once you start, you know, thinking biblically, you don't have to be ashamed of the Bible. You know, once you start to think biblically, it changes everything that enters into your mind. I mean, you watch TV, and you start looking at it from a biblical worldview. And so it changed everything for me, and almost immediately. For me, it became like a lordship apologetic, which Jesus has conquered. He is Lord of the universe. Now it is our job to be heralds and command all men everywhere to repent. And I noticed that in my engagement with people, I wasn't doing much commanding. I was doing more of a like a kind of a a pleading or a reasoning. Like it makes sense if you do this. And and I wasn't commanding saying God has conquered. You have lost you. The great king of the universe offers you the opportunity to fall to your knees, bend the knee, repent and trust and believe in the gospel. And that apologetic put Christ in the position of Lord and king and me in the position of Harold and them in the position of needing grace. And so a presupposition apologetics for me centered the gospel and, and recalculated my approach to what I believed I talked like that, you know? So, and, go ahead. What it also did for me, I mean, I, I've always been a relatively confident guy. However, it changed my way that I talked to unbelievers. Now I do it with confidence. I mean, I tell the story yes. often of, of I was in a park nearby here doing some open-air preaching was on a Good Friday, and there was a preacher up on the box, and he was talking, you know, about biblical, different biblical stories. And this, and this heckler comes by, and he starts screaming at him, says, you guys are crazy. You believe that a donkey talked? You believe that a man was in a fish for three days? You believe that a man who was dead came back to life after three days? You guys are crazy. Now, that would intimidate me in the past, I mean, because the Bible has some really incredible things. Yes. But yeah. one of the things, one of the rules in open-air preaching is you don't steal the person's heckler because they make a nice crowd. So I put on the other <laughs> microphone, and I thought it up beside the preacher to see if he wanted help at all. And he looks down at me, and his, his face was pale. And he, you know, he just motions me to get up on the box. So I stand up at the box, and I look at this guy. And now that I understood this apologetic, I very calmly said to him, I said, you know, I know that you think we're nuts. I do believe in a book that says Donkey Talk. I do believe in a book that says a man was dead for three days came back to life. I do believe in a book that says a man was in, the, in a fish for three days. I do believe that. And I said to him, now you would admit that God could do all these things. And he says, yeah, sure, if he exists, he could do all those things. I said, so your problem is not with miracles. Your problem is with the God of miracles. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, I guess so. I said, here's the problem. When you have a problem with the God of miracles, you can't have a problem with my Bible. And I, I couldn't hear it, you know, from my end, but you played the two-move checkmate. Yeah. So that's what I do. I, you have a problem with miracles. Of course you do. Those things are miraculous. You know? Of course you have a problem with them. But you have a problem with them, and you say that, therefore, my Bible is not true. Well, what are you assuming? You're assuming that there's something as truth, that there's such a thing as truth. I say, where do you get that without God? Where do you get that from a Vol Ponscom? I mean, Doug Wilson uses that ex- experiment of taking a can of Mountain Dew and a, a can of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. yeah. Them. Yep. Oh, and watching them fizz. That's basically an evolutionary model. That's our thoughts. And to say that one fizz is true and one fizz is false is ludicrous. And that's what this fellow was saying to me, that my Bible is not true because of all these incredible things. Say, look, they are incredible, but you admit that God can do them. But when you say it's not true, you're borrowing from the God who created you. You're borrowing from God. And that shows that what you're doing is actually suppressing the truth. Right. That you know him, but you suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So where, where do you do most of your um, ministry at? Is it mostly in Canada, local college campuses, in the U.S.? In Canada, it's, it's 
a lot more different. You can't get on the college campuses because they're all privately owned. So what I've done in the past is uh, go on tours throughout the U.S. And, you know, they usually have free speech soon, zones and, and yep. different campuses. Yep. And that's what I do. In Canada, it's more street corner stuff. It's more, you know, stoplight preaching. And I really don't like that. I, I'm not so much of an open-air preacher as I am an open-air teacher. Oh, stop it. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I like people to be able to stand and listen. And I like to explain things. And, you know, and if they're just walking past 30 seconds at a stoplight, I mean, there are, it's a different message. And right, I'm right. much more... Uh, I'm much more comfortable with with teaching people, so that's why I really enjoy doing the U.S. college campus tours and uh, being able. I mean, sometimes you show up at like ten o'clock in the morning, and there's some campuses where where people will stay at like till eight eight thirty in the evening. Uh, University of Connecticut is my favorite campus. I mean, they usually leave, or when we leave, when the preachers leave at the end of the day, there's still a crowd there uh, mingling and talking. I, just, wow. you know, I love doing it. What, what, you know, one of the things I went as soon as I figured out, uh, as soon as I figured this out, I was like, we got to make a film about this. It's like we just have to. Like, there's nothing out right now that I can point to to say this is presuppositional apologetics at the at the ground level. And so from that came how to answer the fool. And one of the things that I kept noticing that you were doing as you were witnessing the people on the street and you were open air teaching, um, it was <laughs> was the fact that you always put the argument around truth. Right. No matter what it was, if it was a Muslim, if it was a Jehovah's Witness, whatever it was, you always put the argument around truth. Why was truth always a center place with the pendulum? Why was that where everything had to land at? Why was that the heart of everything for you? Well, for me, it's because truth is the easiest thing. Truth and knowledge are the easiest thing to prove biblically. I mean, you could try and prove the laws of logic biblically, and I think that you could do it, but it's a lot more difficult. But when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, or, or you know, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, that you can't know anything without God, that's easiest to explain biblically, and that's why I do that. But, I, you know, the thing is, you mentioned how to answer the fool, and I don't get the opportunity to say this very often, and David, you're going to hate it. Oh, boy. <laughs> who love the film, David Shannon is the heart and soul behind that film. Stop. I mean, it's heartwarming. Like, from, the, from the very first scene that we shot, until that film being available was 10 weeks, and David worked tirelessly on it. And I tell you, it was his brainchild on how this was going to look, because we had a completely different idea. And then we went out in the street together, and you remember that, David? And you say, okay, this is going to be different. Yeah. <laughs> and we changed it. And, you know, it was just, I'm, every time I watch it, my reaction is to be thankful for David. I mean, you guys are so, um, I shouldn't say fortunate, because I don't believe in luck, but to have him on this podcast, you know, time after time after time, I'm saying, David, you need to get in front of the camera. You need to get in front of the microphone. And, you know, um, the very first thing that we recorded together was Edified, was that I show do, that we did yes. on your drive. Yes. And I don't think, I don't know if many people know this, but um, Marcus was the one who was interviewing me. And you were behind the camera like you were at Wretched. And then Marcus was interviewing me, and then you said, no, 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 not like that. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> you told Marcus to get behind the camera, and you sat down. <laughs> Step aside. <laughs> Hold my beer, I'll this, show you how I got done. this, Marcus. <laughs> I was not in the mood for this at all, but it was, I tell you, probably one of the happiest moments of my life. I mean, I just so enjoyed that. And then we went inside, and we watched the, what we had shot you know, together for quite a while. We just laughed, and we really enjoyed it. And what showed up online was just a few minutes, but there was, you know, probably hours worth that never made it, which I still want to see someday. So if you got that buried in your computer. Splice up. Them outtakes. After this, you're never going to get it, signed. You got me blushing over here. But I encourage people to go to Marcus's channel and watch Edified, where David and I are just uh, really yucking it up. And David would give me the gears about my uh, One Cop Town story, which I love, too. He, do he always does that. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, speaking of which, before we go, um, 
tell that story, the one cop town, because that's really like the core of what we're talking no, about. No, forget here. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, forget come it. on, just, man. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to start telling the story, and you're going to say, no, we heard it already. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually how we did it in Edify. I won't do that to you. we got to wrap up. So I, I got to hear, everybody's got to hear this, man. Oh, okay. One cop town. This is how I tell people, you know what, people are giving up their authority. And I say, imagine that you're a policeman in a one-cop town. This town is so small, you're the only cop. And every Friday night, you get a call from the local pub that Bob the Drunk is drunk again. So you take your cruiser down to the pub, and sure enough, he's fall down sloppy drunk, and you pour him into your cruiser. You take him to your one-cell jail cell to sleep it off overnight. Then you take your cruiser home for the night because it's such a small town. That's what you do. Saturday morning, you go back to the station to let Bob out. On the way, you stop at the dry cleaner. You pick up your neatly clean and press uniforms. You go, and you let Bob out. He signs his paperwork. He's promised to appear in court, whatever. And then you go upstairs and you do some paperwork as is your tradition every week, because it happens every week. And around noon, you decide to go home. And you go outside and you look at the parking lot and your cruiser is missing. But it's such a small town, you figure, oh, it's probably those baker boys, those rascals. They've taken it. They're playing a trick on me. They're going to bring it back. So you don't call it in. You don't make a big deal of it, out of it. But you've got to get home. You have another bicycle in the lobby there, you know, that you use for working out. So you take off your uniform. You put on your yellow spandex outfit. You get on your bicycle. <laughs> you start going home down the highway. And as you're going down the highway, you hear a siren. And you look, you know, over your shoulder, and there's a cruiser pulling you over. You're a cruiser. Out step Bob, the guy that you just released, wearing your neatly clean, clean and pressed uniform. And he comes up to you and says, you were speeding. <laughs> and I tell people, brothers and sisters, that is an apologetic situation. And how do most Christians answer? Well, some of them say, I don't like to argue, and they throw it on their bicycle and they run into the woods. <laughs> some of them say, oh, that uniform looks great on. Would you like? Would you like to come to our pizza social on Friday night? Or some of them give evidence. There's no way that I could have been speeding. You know, look at this 10 speed. I know the land speed record for this type of bicycle on a flat surface with this much headwind is 50 miles an hour, and mm -hmm. the speed limit on this road is 55 miles an hour. There's no way I could have been speeding. I know a lot about the radar in that vehicle. It can't even pick up bicycles. There's not enough metal in them. And you go on and on with all this evidence. And what does Bob say? You know, you're right. You convinced me with this evidence that you could not have been speeding. I'm so sorry. Have a nice day. He nods. He gets back in your cruiser and drives off. <laughs> but what's the problem? It's not your cruiser. It's not your uniform. It belongs to the government. The next day you show up to work and the police chief, he's there waiting for you, you know, from the district. He says, where's your cruiser? You say, well, you know, Bob, you know, I, I ran into a Bob, you know, he's driving on Saturday, but I won the argument. He's going to say, where's your cruiser? Neglect of duty. And this is what I say, who owns logic? Who owns science? Who owns morality? Jesus Christ owns all these That's things, right. and we're yeah. giving it to yeah. the unbeliever to argue against the Lord that we adore. Mm. Instead of saying, look, pal, that's not yours. Confront them with the truth of Scripture. And you could tell, David, I'm just as excited today as I was, you know, back in 2011 when we were absolutely, talking. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I love so, it. I love it. God, did I? Side Tim Kate. Check him out more at proofthatgodexists.org. And... Right after this break, <laughs> more, <laughs> more when we come back on Cross Politics. This is Cy Timbrinkate with Answer Anyone Apologetics. Somebody comes up to you and says, I don't believe in God. And what do we do? We give them evidence. Look at the complexity of the eye. Look at this paper fragment. Look at these rock layers. And you've studied your rock layers. 
You wipe the floor with him. What's he going to do? He's going to go home and Google rock layers. You want him to repent and put his trust in Jesus Christ, and he's Googling rock layers. Congratulations. The next day you run into a PhD in geology and he wipes the floor with you. You see, when you do apologetics wrong, you have to be an expert in geology, biology, astrophysics, nuclear chemistry, you name it. You have to be brilliant. The problem is, there's always someone smarter than you. In John 10:27, Jesus did not say, my sheep hear your really good argument. He said, my sheep hear my voice. In Luke 21:15, Jesus said, I will give you a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. The power of God for salvation is not in your brilliant arguments. As Romans 1.16 tells us, it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apologetics is easy. Read your Bible and do what it says. For more apologetic answers, visit answeranyone.com. How you doing? Wow. Good morning. I hope you guys enjoyed Sai. I really love Sai. I've learned a lot from him over the, the, I think I kind of obviously got to know him through his YouTube and online ministry. Yes. Uh, really through use when you first kind of alerted me to Sai. Oh, so, really? I didn't yeah, know that. I yeah. thought you already knew about him. No, I did not know of Sai before I met you. Yeah, Sai. No. I mean, he has when you're watching. If you I mean, because on... I was kind of doing my thing before Sai. But <laughs> yeah. just... You were classical. <laughs> I was, you know, shoot. Yeah, Sai, I watched him uh, on the street, and I just realized right away that, oh, man, like, this works. And so I got interested because I could win the argument, mm-hmm. right? But that it wasn't about winning the argument. It was about making sure that I wasn't giving up the foundation that God gave me to stand on. They're living in our world. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> they're, they're our trusting. father's world. They're, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're heirs to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so they, they belong. They either bend the knee or they become heirs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the only two options they have. And so I think sometimes when we're doing apologetics, we feel like we need to give them so much um, uh, content so that they can say, you are right. This is legit. I'm going to be a part of it. Yeah. And it, and it took Sai bringing a verse to me said, no, 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 you don't understand. They repent to understand. Yeah. They don't understand and then repent. They need to repent before God. And then the knowledge of this comes to them. And so it, that's always one of the things that stuck with me. I always say it all the time. Um, when we're dealing with something like we were talking about abortion, uh, and, uh, the first the, segment. in the first yeah. segment, um, our issue with that is not that we need to have more knowledge about how to stop it. We need to repent of it, and then the knowledge of how to deal with it comes. Yeah, right. You know, and so right. that's with all sin. And so presuppositional apologetics changed everything for me. Right. Yes. And I'm very grateful to Sai for that. He thought he was working in one area, but it touched all the areas of my theology. Yeah. yeah. i tell you one of the things I liked about what he was saying about presuppositional apologetics. When he learned about it, it was, it was almost like he was, he was already equipped. Right, because he's already right, a Christian, right, exactly, and he was already equipped to go out and evangelize, and that's basically presupposition is basically you kind of tapping into the reason why you became a Christian in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You 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 win people to what you win them with, and it, I think that kind of pre the presuppositional thing is something that just clicks when you realize all it is is believing what God says about you, the world, and the person in front of you yeah, all that's the right. time. That's right. And about everything. Well, you better pre- Where's my organ at? Well, you better preach. Hey. You got to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you have a, don't you have a song of presupposition apologetics? Uh, I don't you Is have, it coming out? I've got, I th- see, th- th- this is the thing. Precept invades everything, right? Just like the post mill gets into everything. There's never a time 
where it's kind of like cordoned off in its segment, it's underneath everything we say. So when we go preach on campus to students, we do have that confidence if it goes there and they question us, but we have confidence that it's God who saves people. It's not us that do it. It's that the word is being made effective. I think um, your father-in-law, Matt Gray, he said something like, when you first start doing evangelism or apologetics, at first you're kind of consumed with like either winning the argument or yourself. You're kind of nervous, right, when you mm-hmm. first get out there. And then you kind of graduate to the next stage, which is getting the message right. So you yeah. want to be really faithful to the message. But then as you grow in sanctification, the last thing is love. You you actually are right. not thinking about yourself. You You know the message, and you love mm. this person in front of you. And everything else just kind of flows out of that. Amen. They can tell. People can tell when you love them. Yes, they and can. when you just want to, you know, get a when one the up argument. On, yeah, yeah. Exactly. people can tell. Kids right. know that. Yep. Oh wow. Well, I, you know, you, you think about evidential apologetics, and you think about presupposition apologetics, and and it's like the evidentialists are already, like we said in the first segment, or in the interview with Sai, that they're already trying to play on that non-Christian's turf. They're trying to step into the to the world that doesn't believe in God and try to point out all these evidences for why a God may or may not exist. And, and like Sai put it, I like it. He, he talked about percentages. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you're fighting, you're fighting percentages with this belief, this non-believer in front of you. And one thing that you learn in Jesus's life is that his, his parables were his presupposition apologetics. His parables were mm. his apologetics. He created the world for them to say, lead them down the scenario that you are the Pharisees and you are the people in the vineyard not living. And, and check it out. And here's, here's something really interesting about that is that it was hidden from them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yep. hidden. So in, in apologetics, we always are trying to figure out how to unveil, <laughs> Yes. right? Yeah. And we're always trying to figure out how, how can I get this to them and they can get it and they get light bulb pops on. And Jesus is telling parables. They're like, what is he talking about? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And he says, it's not for them to know, but for you, yeah. right? <laughs> it's for you to know. Yeah. And so there, there's a, again, there's a certain, um, when you're witnessing to someone, I think it's always remember some plant, some water, but it's always God that brings the increase. Yeah. And so, again, it's to be faithful to Scripture, to hold Scripture as the highest standard when we're talking to someone. Um, I remember when I was trying to figure out how to do this presuppositional thing, you know, I kept on um, remembering arguments that I learned from CARM.org, which is a wonderful site, by the way, to learn yeah. just some yeah. some good um yeah. Po- uh, apologetics. I love yeah, that site. It's a great site. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Lo- love James White's site. They they're great for me to just nourish myself with. Okay, here's a here's a knowledge of the argument. But when I realized that growing up, learning the Bible from my mom and my dad and, and the pastor at church and Sunday school, I realized that was all the apologetic I need. Yeah. Well, what does right. the Bible say about this? That's yeah. that's yeah. the answer that I need to have in my heart, in my yes. head, right. to the subject. What does the Bible say about this? Yes. You know, because sometimes we act like the Bible doesn't speak, or we create another layer. To say, well, I'll translate or I'll, I'll try and manage this for them. Then I'll get them to the Bible after I get them to commit to this. Yes. Or, like, I'll, <laughs> or I'll apologize for Scripture in oh, the right. spots that make us uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I think it misses the, the fact that the goal here in an interaction with an unbeliever or with um, someone who's not walking with the Lord, uh, the goal is their faith, that they would That's trust right. uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and obey him and obey his commands. And all too often we're appealing to their reason, um, to their to their rationale as the God, um, which yeah, they need right. to trust in right. and saying, let me let me try to compel you with enough of this evidence and enough of this. Um, let me bring your facts, brainwaves you know? along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you've you've seeded to them the fact that reason is God. Um, mm. Not that Jesus is is Lord, mm. um, and that their faith is misplaced. Um, it's not where their f- faith is going to be um, 
or it's it's where their faith it's where their faith is placed. Are you in it, seminary? or Something you sound like a trying, preacher. Trying to, <laughs> and, and this, I've got a John Calvin quote in front of me. <laughs> yeah, okay. yes. go ahead. What do no, you got? He, he um he said this uh, in the Institutes. Uh, oh he, wait, are you serious? Uh-huh. Are you right. serious right now? Just gonna whip it out. Well um, now, the philosophers mm. give the government of man to reason alone, thinking that she alone is to be listened to. In short, they assign to her the sole direction of the conduct. But Christian philosophy bids reason give place and yield complete submission to the Holy yeah. Spirit so that yeah. the man himself no longer lives, but Christ lives mm. and reigns in him. Well, the Lordship of Christ right. over everything. So the goal is right? faith. You know, the goal is faith in the in the person in front of you. Calvin yeah, didn't right. like organs. Just... Uh, yeah, but Calvin is actually Ben. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem you is... You know what to do with that organ, Ben. Don't act like you don't Woo! know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Wave that white hanky. Yeah. Go ahead, keep preaching, Ben. Can I get? Man, man ben, ben comes in for twenty minutes and gets the organ. Yeah, but <laughs> he quoted Calvin. That's an organ mic drop every time. Yeah, well, uh, well and, I'll be and, going, and, guys. And, <laughs> so, presupposition apologetics is ba- you know giving a defense of the faith using God's work, right? Basic one hundred and one. Yeah. And and what it does is it takes the burden off the moms and dads and the kids and everything to know. Uh, uh, the science of evolution or the, to know just know your bible you, you know just know your bible takes the burden off because you can like what Sai does he's like i just take it back to the truth every argument for me goes back to the truth and who's the truth right, right. who's the truth i am he the can... way the truth and the life yeah the, no the only one... reason why he can argue from the bible is because god is true that's right right that's he's right. not even trying to say that hey it's all right here it's all wrapped up in this in these red and black words he's saying the bible is true because god over heaven and earth is true all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him yeah right and and until we believe that that was the verse that clicked it for me all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in christ and if i don't believe that then i will go to start pointing to evidences to get you but if i believe that then what am i going to preach to you Yeah. yeah what am i going to push to you if i believe that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in christ i'm going to preach christ yeah. You know, and so yeah. that that changed everything for me. I was like, oh, man, I could just sit up there and preach the gospel the whole time. Yeah. That's all I need to yeah. do. And so, we forget about the supernatural aspect of this. Right. There is no look. God will use whatever he chooses. But the weapon that he gave us when he told us to go and uh, make disciples, you know, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's the word of God is our weapon. Right. That's yeah. where the supernatural aspect is hitting is through the word of God. Yeah. So anyway. you know, we're always afraid of glibly saying, well, the Bible says so. You yeah. Know? But exactly. in fact, yeah. um, we're, we're yielding the high ground when we do so. I don't believe the Bible, <laughs> you <know>? Ben. <laughs> you know, that, that's always, I don't, I don't believe the Bible. Right. You know, you quote the Bible as your standard and I, I just don't believe that. Yeah. Well, you know? uh, your, your brain is your standard. <laughs> your brain's your Bible. Your brain's your Bible. Yeah. What do you think? I don't like you. <laughs> that's kind of where it goes yeah, 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 yeah it I really mean, does absolutely it, it goes yeah. all of a sudden when you know i've watched these guys they they say you know i don't believe in truth and then the next thing that comes out their mouth is how untrue the right. bible is yeah and it's like hold on if you've given up a standard of truth if by you don't what, believe in truth yeah then what standard are you going to use to judge the word of god yeah you know i'm sorry sir you've given up truth and when you've given up truth you've given up god you don't have any foundation to stand on yeah. you don't get to say what you don't like and that very sentence that he just came out of his mouth doesn't even, doesn't even mean anything <laughs> pizza bible banana head <laughs> i don't believe in truth i want to throw mashed potatoes on the wall and drive a bus yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? what does that mean yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's so true now aaron yes sir you have a you have a new album coming out 
I do when I yeah if I, I can gotta, finish I, it. So, but uh, you, you told us something amazing. You're gonna have you're gonna pay homage. Did I say right? That's right. Um, homage to cross politic in this. If you want to put it like that, I mean, I'm just maybe. saying. You, I, I was maybe cross politics paying homage <laughs> to. Uh, no, 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 we made it first. Fight that <laughs> hey, feast. That's hey, ours. So, a trademark so, war is, ensues. <laughs> so I used to copyright it now. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the days when I when I I was. I loved battle rap, so I was I grew up Christian, homeschool, the whole thing. But I loved rap music, and so I I got in trouble the most when I was I a kid for the things that music. I said. Remember <laughs> DC Talk? Oh yeah, come on, who? Yeah. DC, DC Talk. Talk? DC who? Down with the I DC love Talk. Rap music. Down with don't the get DC Gabe Talk. Please don't get Gabe started. No, Gabe. Jesus freak. No. <laughs> What will people do when they find out oh, I'm a Jesus? Jesus. Okay, that's enough. People, right. no one's yeah. listening now. Anyway, you were saying hey, lost them. So what I was saying was, what um, this is kind of connected with apologetics. Apologetics feels like, especially for us dudes who are competitive, it feels sometimes like a war. And in some ways, it really is, right? It's a spiritual war. Our weapons are not of this world. They're with My words. Yeah, okay. They're with the sword of the spirit. Right. And so um, I... When I started thinking, hey, I should uh, start making music that actually honors God and not just <laughs> disses people. Once had, a, <laughs> once had a brick thrown through my window for a, a diss record that I had put out. Oh, and, wait, well, you were a Christian when you put out a yes, diss record? I was a, I was a, I, yes, yeah, I was a Christian hilarious. this whole time. Is it online? So, so you know how... You, <laughs> <laughs> bring, we need to use that as our outro here on the show. I'm gonna bring it up. It right <laughs> so you know how Darren Doan says his sanctification is kind of on YouTube. You could just yeah. watch the music. Yeah. So I was dumb enough to record. I've been m making music for almost 13 years now. I'm on my seventh album, and my first album I would it, cringeworthy. Second album cringeworthy. Third album cringeworthy, and fourth I started to kind of figure it out. But my sanctification is right there on blast and yeah. all of wow. its yeah. ugliness. Yeah. And the thing I realized was um, the way that preaching is where it's very, it can be very polemical, kind of like apologetics. It just fits very well with the aggressive nature of hip hop. Of, of hip -hop. Yeah. And so Absolutely. I was thinking, how is it that I can marry these two worlds together, um, have good doctrine, um, yeah. good arguments, and also make something that's super dope. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what I want. So yeah, that's, that's music. Hip, so, hip hop is the is the preacher's music. Well, yeah, I, I think that it naturally has a hardness and a roughness to it. The preachers that, right that's yeah. uh, that a herald has to have in order to be able to proclaim something. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so hip hop naturally has that built into it. What, you know, what it hasn't always had is uh, the gospel behind it, which has been amazing in the last twelve years. Yeah, to see uh, you know the gospel saturate such a culture, um, and then all of a sudden we get you know a revival. That I think a lot of people have missed out on because of the genre. Yeah, um, yeah. hip hop has had a revival. Reformed doctrine has penetrated um, into this culture that hasn't been able to come through traditional forms yep. of, of theology. Like just the black church itself hasn't been reformed in the come way on. that hip hop has been reformed. There's more reform people in hip hop uh, than yeah. there are in the black yes. church, and it's a yeah. black genre yes. for the most part. And yeah. so I think we've kind of taken for granted the influence and, and the impact that hip hop has had in reforming um you know black culture right now yeah. anyway you can probably speak to that more it, than i can it, i i remember just driving down the street when i was in uh jacksonville florida and like my eyes getting kind of misty teary-eyed thinking about the way that god uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise and you think about um who are all like the big reformed guys 10 years ago or maybe even now the 
R.C. Sproul's, the John MacArthur's, yeah, the John yeah. Piper's. Yeah. You know, these are all white guys who you'd think turn down that uh, cranky <laughs> rap music, you Get know, whatever it is. Get <laughs> if you guys remember that. Yeah, and then you see guys like Lecrae <laughs> yeah. who are, you know, basically turning their music into sermon jams. Yeah. And For I the have. Shack. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. Come on, yes. get that out of here. Yes. <laughs> blocked. Blocked. Yeah. But we'll uh, talk about that too. Yeah. I, we'll talk I, about the show, no show. Yeah. When April I was, 14th. When I was in <laughs> exactly. Jacksonville um, and we were trying to do a, a, have a church in Florida that is pretty racially segregated on Sundays, try to have black people and white people worship God together. And a lot of my black brothers down there came into Reformed theology. I think actually all of them came into Reformed theology through Christian hip-hop. Wow. Absolutely. It wasn't through reading an R.C. Sproul book. No, but it's because somebody read an R.C. Sproul book. Somebody (laughs) engaged Reformed theology and put it into the music, and all of a sudden, they're getting this IV plugged into them, and they're they're like, Neo, I know Kung Fu, right? (laughs) I know Reformed theology. It's because they're getting it through, you know, Praise God the Father, the immortal creator, for his glory you made us. You're the sovereign orchestrator. That's Shylin. Yeah, <laughs> All right. that you decree will most surely come to happen. You're sovereign as could be, and your glory none can fathom. Right? Like, that's yeah. Shylin. You're sitting yeah. there thinking, like, that's heavy, bro. Yeah. You can't turn on any CCM music right now and, and get that. <laughs> right. Where you going to go to get that kind of doctrine? Shame on CCM, too. <laughs> but so it's so heavy, and I think, we need, I think we need more tutelage, more discipleship inside of Christian hip-hop because we're seeing guys who are hearing these heavy thoughts, but the practical application, the outworking of that is where they're falling short at. They're seeing a post-millennial uh, perspective about the world, and then they're, they're doing things like endorsing the shack. Mm-hmm. Or like you were saying earlier, we have to remember that a lot of people, um, right, a lot of the artists right now, they're being sanctified publicly. And so when we go to attack them, we need to be careful about what stage they're at. They might not be committed to that. They're growing. Yeah. And so our approach to them needs to be as one looking at them saying, You're, you need to be discipled. You need to be engaged in a way that can help you think biblically about this thing and to put aside foolish things, right? And so I've seen Lecrae go through a lot of hard hits because of the fact that he is, he is being sanctified publicly. Yeah. And he's yeah. making turns and changes that are, are horrible. Yeah. Uh, but he he doesn't know how to get to where he sees he needs to be at, and he doesn't. I don't think there's a lot of people around him that are saying, "Hey, brother, from a pastoral position, this is this is what you need to do, and this is how you need to engage." You know, yeah. so uh, you, you're looking at me like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Star Wars, and I'm gonna just bring that in here in the in Bill the, the in the Force Awakens <laughs> when Kylo Ren and and Homegirl Ray they they got the the lightsabers against each other, and he says, "You need a teacher." Yeah, yeah. That is just always in my head when I'm seeing what these guys are posting or I'm talking to guys on the phone and I'm thinking, you know, God is clearly working in you and you're trying to sort through things, but you need a teacher. And Mm -hmm. and back to the Gray Fires Hall thing, like, are you being discipled? Nice segue. What what do you need? You need a father. You need a teacher. You need someone to show you, hey, this is where that goes. This is how this works. This is how you can use the gifts that God has given you. For his glory, and you can be creative, yeah, and also have uh, and also learn to sing psalms. 
Amen. Please Amen. sing songs Please sing if you're a rapper. Come on, you better preach, boy. Hey. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Don't, don't be one-track mind. You know, the one thing I like about listening to various forms of music, country does a good job telling stories. Rap, yeah. hip-hop does a good job preaching to me. And every genre has kind of a good narrative to bring to the table. But it also rounds you out a lot more, and you don't end up just one, one-track mind. Yeah. God um, wrote 150 psalms. Learn those before you write your own. Oh, Ooh. there you go. Amen. Ooh. So let me, let me before we, we close out here, I, I just wanted to bring everyone's attention to our blog that we've been working on. We got oh, ben, yes. ben Zorns is uh, one of our new contributors. We got more people coming on, and we want this to be a, a daily resource um, for you guys to kind of sort through culture, politics, everything that we like to address on the show with the Lordship of Christ over it all. And so, be checking that out. Um, if you go to crosspolitic.com, and uh, uh, you can go to the blog section on crosspolitic crosspolitik.com. Also, uh, e- email us some memos. We haven't talked about our memos oh, real man, quick. Oh, man, please let's, let's, email the memos. Yeah, we've really enjoyed those. <laughs> those are great, aren't they? Yeah, we just got uh, one of our listeners gave us some hilarious feedback on the memo where we got with uh, Batman, the guy who's playing Batman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our Scott Clark Batman. Yeah, yeah, so, Clark. so keep keep giving us memos and questions. Those are a lot of fun to be able to bring on the show. And we just thank you for all the reviews that we've gotten on iTunes. We've gotten way more reviews on iTunes. It's yes. been really encouraging. And don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. Go over there and, and do some of those uh, reviews. Please keep sharing the episode. We've really seen our audience grow over this last two months, so thank you very much. Yeah. This is Cross Politic. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic.